Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashoms in Johannesburg, South Africa, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we ask if Cameroon will be able to host the 2019 Africa Cup of Nations successfully. We have a special report from Cameroon looking at the doubts over Cameroon's readiness to host the expanded 2014 tournament. There are internal problems at the country's FA and there's no national team coach at the moment. Morocco has pledged support for Cameroon and many fans are pleased with this, while others are suspicious. Who had made already the stand that I want to host the 2019 AFCON? And then you come back to say, okay, we are with you to host this competition. For me, Morocco is a country to be wary of. Also, we talk about the English Premier League and assess how Ivorian Serge Aurier is doing at Tottenham. Aurier is certainly a good squad player. He's getting a certain amount of first-team action, but he's certainly not holding down a regular starting place. That's coming up later. First, it's a big weekend in African club football with the second legs of the first round of the CAF Champions League. So the 16 teams that will play in the group stage this year will be decided this weekend. The losers of the ties go into the playoff round of the Confederation Cup. The second leg of the first round games in the Confederation Cup are also on this weekend. And then there's the playoff round before they get to the group stage of that competition. We'll talk about that on next week's show. Also, we must say congratulations to Al Athli of Egypt, who've won an incredible 40th domestic title. Uh, they are in the running for this year's Champions League 2. So it's around 15 months to the 2019 Africa Cup of Nations, and hosts Cameroon have plenty of issues to deal with before then. There have been doubts over Cameroon's readiness to host the expanded 2014 tournament, and another inspection is due soon. There were feelings that Morocco were ready to jump in and take over if Cameroon were to lose the hosting rights. But last week, Morocco said that they will support Cameroon's hosting fully, including with financial assistance. This something of a relief for Cameroon, although, as we'll hear shortly, some are doubting the sincerity of Morocco's gesture. In other challenges, there are internal problems at the Cameroon FA, the FECA foot, with a normalisation committee set up. And there's no national team coach right now. Hugo Bruce left last month. Remember, he won last year's Africa Cup of Nations with the Indomitable Lions. With more on this, we have this special report from Planet Sport Football Africa's Ngie Eno Ebai in Yaoundé. The past weeks have been quite significant in Cameroonian football. The five-strong caretaker committee of Cameroon's football federation, Fekafoot, led by barrister Diodone Happy, have seen their term at the helm of Cameroon's ruling football body extended by six months. Installed in September 2017, the normalization committee of Fekafoot had three main duties. Manage the country's football, rewrite the institution's statutes, which is at the center of long-standing electoral crisis in Fekafoot, as well as convene elections. Six months later, elections are yet to take place, while the new statutes of Fekafoot have never been published. 
Executives of the world governing football body FIFA say an article of Cameroon's 2011 sports law is contradictory to some Fekafoot text. FIFA Director for Africa and the Caribbean, Veron Mosengo Omba, in a recent visit to Cameroon, said the holding of new elections at Fekafoot are hinged on a change of Cameroon's sports charter and want the normalization committee's mandate could still be extended if things remained the same. We know that the normalization committee have to uh, modify the statute and to organize the election. But before that, some steps have to be made prior to the election. The Cameroonian law, the state law of sport, that was supposed to be modified, amended in November, but is not the case. We met the sport minister who assured us that his office will submit this to the next session of the parliament. And we hope that the amendment of the, the sport law 2011 will be done in April. Few days into their new six-month mandate, Fekafoot Caretaker Committee President Diodone Happy was in Marrakesh alongside Morocco's FA President Fauzi Legja, who declared that the kingdom was strongly behind Cameroon for a hitch-free hosting of next year's Africa Cup of Nations. Mr. Fauzi Legja hinted that the kingdom was ready to assist Cameroon in all aspects to make sure the 2019 Continental Football Showpiece is a success. This declaration was, however, received in Cameroon with mixed emotions. For many Cameroonian fans, this is good news, as it brings an end to reports that Morocco had been converting hosting rights for next year's event. It has been a very difficult situation for Cameroon to know that you have to organize a competition and every day the person who gave you this opportunity to organize it is trying to make you know that you cannot, you will not. We can already have confidence that Cameroon could organize. Morocco will not more continue to pretend that they can organize a city of Cameroon because even if we are not ready to host it, we can be sure that Morocco can help us to continue because they have equipment. It is a good initiative by Morocco. Formerly we knew that Morocco wanted to take the hosting rights from Cameroon. Rumors were like that, but the fact that uh, the president of the Moroccan Federation has made that declaration is to show African solidarity. If another African country can support a country like Cameroon, it's a very good thing. The fear alone that Cameroon might not host, it kind of discouraged officials and even football players and even Cameroonian fans. I believe that this will give more courage and impetus to the performance of our football officials. But other Cameroonians received this news with a pinch of salt. They hold that Morocco are doing this to galvanize support for the 2026 World Cup bid and that once the matter is settled by June this year, the Moroccans may return for the 2019 Afghan hosting. For me, it wasn't something that Cameroon should jubilate, but they should be wary about such a person who had made already the stand that I want to host the 2019 Afghan, and then you come back to say, okay, we are with you to host this competition. For me, Morocco is a country to be wary of. We shouldn't take it lightly and we shouldn't just take it for granted and not work. Cameroon should follow the CAF guidelines strictly in such a way that if there are missions, they should approve Cameroon to 
host the competition and not give Morocco the chance. It's a good thing if the Moroccan Football Federation president is sincere. But I believe that it's a political move. I think Cameroon should be very careful with that kind of declaration because you know that the Moroccan Federation and the actual president of CAF, Ahmad Ahmad, they have been working together. So I don't trust the Moroccan Federation president. I'm very careful and I still believe that it's a political move. I don't think Morocco is well placed to be behind Cameroon full flesh in the sense that Morocco is trying by all means to organize World Cup. I don't think you'll be organizing a World Cup without showing the world what you have, what you can afford. They would like the world to know what they are capable of doing. I don't think this is the time they can come out openly to say they have nothing to do behind Cameroon. They are in support of Cameroon, whereas some few months ago they were behind the organization of the Nations Cup. I think Cameroon should be wise enough to do things even accelerate more than before. Despite mixed reactions, Cameroonian football fans are unanimous that preparations for the 2019 Afghan must speed up to spare the country any last-minute blushes. The report from Planet Sport Football Africa's and Eno Ebay in Yaoundé, Cameroon. So a lot of talking points there, Solomon, to the issue of Morocco saying that they will support Cameroon's hosting of the Nations Cup fully, including with financial assistance. It was very interesting to hear the comments from fans. Uh, some there are relieved. Others feel that Morocco has a hidden agenda of gaining support for their 2026 World Cup bid, and then they might revert to trying to get the 2019 Nations Cup away from Cameroon. What do you make of this? It's a good gesture, uh, good to hear one African country supporting uh, another. But at the same time, you always need to question something. Uh, you always need to question anything that you get. It's, it's almost for free. What uh, does uh, Morocco want in return? And that's the big question. Is the hidden agenda the 2016 World Cup bid uh, that they would want Cameroon to support? Cameroon is a big uh, you know, football country in Africa. When you get Cameroon behind you, you're not just getting Cameroon. You're also going to get a few other African uh, play African countries uh, FA to vote for for your bid. Now we need to be open and transparent, and I hope the two countries will be able uh, to do that. Uh, it will be good for Cameroon to get the support if Cameroon is really in need of it. Morocco has the expertise. Morocco has the resources. They've hosted uh, great uh, tournaments before. Yes. Uh, so finally on this, Solomon, do you think the Cameroon will manage to host the 2019 Nations Cup successfully? It will be difficult for Cameroon to host the 2019 Afghans uh, so successfully, Steve. There's always already been uh, problems. Uh, you know, the uh, first day is internal problem. The FA is in disarray. The national team is not really uh, together the way it should be. They don't have a coach because successfully is not just going onto the pitch uh, to defend their crown, which is really going to be difficult. Uh, this is just about a year to go now or so, uh, and and they have to prepare. The morale is very low, and and you also have to look at the FA. You know, there's just uh, bad governance for 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 a while now, and and all that w- would come to play when Cameroon hosts the the Afcon in 2019, and we're looking at um, you know facilities from hotels to stadiums uh, to training grounds to uh, you know creating the right atmosphere, which Cameroon is is definitely behind. You know, in making sure, sure that uh, infra- infrastructures and facilities are, are ready, so we we keep I keep my fingers crossed.
Yes, well, so we'll see. Uh, I must say, I really hope that Cameroon will go ahead and host the Nations Cup next year. They should be able to deliver a very exciting tournament with big crowds and a great atmosphere. Well, on WhatsApp and on Facebook this week, we're asking for your thoughts on this. Do you think that Cameroon will host the 2019 Africa Cup of Nations successfully? Still many question marks. Will they host it and will they do a good job? You can go to our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two. 780. Will Cameroon host next year's Nations Cup successfully? Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Once you've downloaded, you can listen to the show anytime on the app and access past programs too in our archive. Also, you can listen on our website, planetsportfootballafrica.com, and our Twitter handle is at planetsportfa. Well, now we turn to social media, and on last week's show we focused on the huge news in world football that the use of video assistant referees has been officially approved by football's lawmakers. But will this have any impact on African football? We ask for your thoughts on whether it will be used at tournaments like the Africa Cup of Nations and if there's any chance of the video assistant referees being used in league matches across Africa. Well, once again, this has really caught your attention. We've had another huge response, so we'll try and read out as many as we can. But apologies if we're not able to include your comment. On WhatsApp, Lamine Cham in the Gambia says, Yes, this must help to develop African football. And Usainu Njie, also in the Gambia, agrees, saying, I think it will do a lot to assist our football. And Usainu adds that we need such kind of mechanisms to regulate the on-field issues. Alfred Mdimba in Malawi is also in favour, saying, Yes, it will have a big impact on decision-making and improve African football. But Aubrey Piri, also in Malawi, doesn't see how it can be achieved. VAR is still a long way from being achievable here in Africa, says Aubrey. We're far back in terms of infrastructure. And that's a point echoed by Sambu One in the Gambia, who says, no, it's not feasible in Africa due to limited resources. And Amadou Diallo in the Gambia has a more straightforward concern. My personal point of view is that it won't work in some African countries, especially nations like the Gambia, due to the lack of electricity supply, says Amadou. Banabar James in Uganda agrees that there will be logistical challenges. According to the cost of the equipment, FIFA should at least fund the application of VAR equipment in a national stadium for each African country, says Banabar. He adds, I believe it will take at least seven years just to start working here in the Uganda Premier League, where football even lacks a well-built stadium. Mwinga Maimbolwa in Zambia agrees, saying it won't have that much of an impact because very few associations in Africa are keen on adopting it, says Mwinga. And it's quite costly, so many leagues might shun away from it for now. Goron Gustav in Ghana is positive about the concept, but doubts if it will work. 
If VAR can be adopted in Africa, says Goran, it will reduce the tendency of bad officiating. But as to when it can be used across Africa is very questionable because of the kind of networking system we possess. Also, the question of how our referees can adapt to it as quickly as possible is another issue, says Goran. Karamba Dabo in the Gambia says, sure, it can have an impact on African football, but for now I think we can use it only on AFCON tournaments and see its merits and demerits. If CAF does want to use it, I think the fans would have to see on the stadium screens video replays of these key moments. Well, we always welcome your voice notes here on the show, and we heard from the Gambia. Here's Ibrima Kante, who generally is not a fan at all of the video assistant referees. Football is about passion. Football, you have to make mistakes. Even goalkeepers make mistakes. Defenders make mistakes. Likewise, coaches. So referees should also be allowed to referee the game as it is. This is what makes the game interesting. But bringing VR doesn't help. I am not in favor of it. 100% I am not in favor of it. It will bring us confusion, confusion, confusion. Look, sometimes a game will be good. It will be stopped for one minute or two minutes. It is bringing confusion, confusion, confusion. Honestly, to my own opinion, VAR is not good. I am not in favor of it. Thanks there to Ebrima Kante. And we heard too from Cherno Giallo, also in the Gambia. Africa has a long way to go when we come to infrastructural development, especially electricity. I believe this will be the biggest obstacle when we come to implementing the VAR in the continent. The other question, the VAR being used in the league matches in Africa? Hmm, not in the short run at least, but there is hope, especially in countries in Northern Africa, Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia, Egypt, and South Africa. Yes, in the long run, we hope and see VAR being implemented or used in the league games, but not in Sub-Saharan Africa. I don't see that happening in the near future. Yeah, me too, I must say. That's a Cherno Jallo. Now, Samson Makawa in Malawi is keen on the video assistant referees, despite the challenges. It just requires money, says Samson. Honestly, we've witnessed ghost goals being scored. I hope the introduction of VAR will at least allow teams to promote fair play, as they would be satisfied with the results. Donald in Cameroon says, I'm one of those advocating for a change in football, but what I've seen so far with the VAR is disgusting. It makes the game of football slow and there's also inconsistency. If the system can improve, then it might go a long way to help the football world in general and not only in Africa, says Donald. To Cote d'Ivoire now, and Clement supports the decision. It would be extremely interesting to have the VAR being used in African football, says Clement, as it actually finds the best decision for certain cases on the field of play. I recall the World Cup qualifying match between Ghana and Uganda, where Ghana scored a clean goal, but it was disallowed by the referee as offside, but he got it all wrong. Eventually, Ghana were knocked out of the World Cup qualifiers, says Clement. I remember that incident very well indeed. And Barnabas Ande in Nigeria is totally against it. VAR will be the worst thing to happen in African football at the moment, says Barnabas. I strongly believe that in Africa, we're not yet ready to have any technological improvement in football. We're still a long way away from having a standard refereeing structure, not to mention the VAR. I do hope it won't be mandatory for now because Africa isn't ready yet, says Barnabas. 
And finally, Mohamed Barr in The Gambia says, yes, VAR would have a huge impact on African football because we see so many mistakes being made by referees on the continent. I believe the use of VAR will reduce the mistakes that are made by our African referees, but my only doubt is whether African countries will be able to use it in their domestic leagues. Well, thanks so much for all of those comments. Very, very interesting as always. And apologies again if we didn't have time to read out your contribution. So this week we're asking, will Cameroon host the 2019 Africa Cup of Nations successfully? Earlier on we focused on the doubts over the country's readiness to host the tournament, also the internal problems at the Cameroon FA, and the fact that there's no national team coach right now for the Indomitable Lions. So will they host the tournament successfully? You can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Will Cameroon host next year's Nations Cup successfully? Well, let's go to the English Premier League now. I'm joined by our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK. Not a good week for the English clubs in the Champions League, with Manchester United and Chelsea both knocked out at the round of 16 stage. But focusing on the English Premier League title race, things are really taking shape now in terms of the likely order of the top four, Stuart. Yes, indeed, Steve. Another win from Manchester City leaves them 16 points clear at the top needing only three more wins to secure the Premier League title. But Manchester United took a large step towards securing second place with a 2-1 win over Liverpool, and it was great to see the Ivorian Eric Bailly start his first game since November after recovering from injury. He had an excellent game and brought much-needed pace to the Manchester United defence. The one blot on his performance was that he got in the wrong position and finished up deflecting the ball into his own net. Incidentally, Bailly was not the only Francophone African to score an own goal at the weekend, with Gaetan Bon of Cameroon having the same misfortune playing for Brighton. Funny, Steve, this time last week we were talking about the crisis at Arsenal. What crisis is that? Since then, they've beaten AC Milan in the Europa League in Milan and beaten Watford 3-0. There was a goal for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who also set up a goal for Mkhitaryan. So it's great to see him settling into the team and playing well. And I need to tell you that Peter Cech, the Arsenal goalkeeper, saved a penalty from Troy Deeney. This was the first penalty that Czech had saved for Arsenal, having been beaten by the previous 15 that he faced. Oh, really? So uh, that penalty save was a long time coming. Now, Ivory Coast fullback Serge Aurier was on target for Tottenham in their win over Bournemouth. How would you say that Aurier is fitting in at Tottenham, Stuart? Aurier, you will recall, was signed from Paris Saint-Germain in the summer, effectively to replace Kyle Walker, who had moved to Manchester City. But part of the reason that Walker left Tottenham, apart from the money and the chance to play for the best team in England, was that he had actually lost his automatic place at Tottenham to Kieran Trippier. And Aurier finds himself in the same situation. He has started 14 games, with Trippier starting 16 out of 30. So Aurier is certainly a good squad player, He's getting a certain amount of first-team action, but he's certainly not holding down a regular starting place. 
Swansea drew nil-nil at Huddersfield, having had Jordan Ayew of Ghana sent off after 11 minutes. Uh, I know you love these things, Steve. That actually made Swansea only the second team in the past 11 years to play with 10 men for 80 minutes without conceding a goal. They had 20% of possession, didn't manage one shot at goal, but came away with a draw. Now, I do have to say that I thought that Ayu's red card was very harsh. I find myself in agreement with his manager, Carlos Carvajal, who said that both players had gone into the tackle studs first and you either had to show a red card to both or to neither. Incidentally, the nearest that Huddersfield came to scoring in that game was when Benin's Steve Munye hit the bar. But just going back to Jordan Ayu for a moment, whom I said was unfortunate to be sent off, I did notice that he is third in the list of players who have committed most Premier League fouls this season with 50. And top of the list is the Nigerian Wilfred Ndidi at Leicester City. And Leicester City beat West Bromwich Albion 4-1 with four Africans in their team. Kelechi Ihenacho came off the bench to score and also set up a goal for Algerian Rian Mares. Wilfred Ndidi from Nigeria and Riyad Mahrez Algeria started with Fusini Diabati of Mali and Ihenecho Nigeria coming off the bench. It was great to see Ihenecho scoring his first Premier League goal for Leicester, but he remains a player who quite honestly finds it easier to score goals in the Premier League than to get a starting place. At Manchester City, we may recall, he scored 12 goals in 46 games, but came off the bench 34 times. This is his 15th game for Leicester, but 12 of them have been as a substitute. Now, Steve, I couldn't resist telling you that as well as Ihenacho, Leicester also had a goal from Ibora, and this is the first time that two players with the family name starting with the letter I have scored for the same club in the top division of English football ever. And finally, Steve, if we think the Premier League has got problems, what about Greece, where the top-of-the-table game between PAOK and AEK had a disputed offside decision, whereupon the PAOK owner came onto the pitch with his bodyguards, one of whom had a gun, The game was abandoned and, in fact, Greek football has suspended the league until the incident is sorted out. So a club chairman coming onto the pitch with a gun is certainly something I have not seen yet in the Premier League. I certainly hope it won't happen again anywhere. And uh, Stuart, you've been keeping an eye on managers being fired during the course of the season. Uh, The latest to go is Mauricio Pellegrino at Southampton. Now, last year Southampton finished 8th in the Premier League, which I think is a pretty good achievement for a club which doesn't have anything like the budget of the top six. Honestly, it's as good as they could have finished. And add to that that they lost in the final of the League Cup to Manchester United only on a doubtful offside decision. And what is the club's reaction to that? To fire the manager, Claude Puel, who is now doing, of course, an excellent job at Leicester City. So in comes Pellegrino, He was not an obvious choice. Argentinian, he had played all of his career in Argentina or Spain, apart from half a season in the Premier League where he played 11 games for Liverpool. 
As a manager, again, he'd worked mainly in Argentina, plus two seasons in Spain, so he came to Southampton with very little knowledge of English football. And Southampton, now finding themselves one point above the relegation places, and more significantly, having won only one of their past 17 games, and are averaging less than a goal a game, felt they had to do something, particularly after being well beaten 3-0 at Newcastle United. But Steve, the interesting thing is, if you look at the bottom seven clubs in the Premier League table, only Huddersfield Town have the same manager as they started the season with. West Brom, Stoke, Crystal Palace, West Ham, Swansea City and Southampton have all fired the manager. And none of them, interestingly, has really pulled clear of the relegation battle. But another thing that I thought was interesting, if you look at the three clubs above the bottom seven, we've got Brighton, Bournemouth and Newcastle United, and all of them have been in the relegation trouble, but they've stuck with the manager and perhaps they're moving a little bit towards safety. So firing the manager tends to be a knee-jerk reaction because the financial stakes are so high. Whether it is successful can only be judged at the end of the season. And the new Southampton manager, and they didn't appear to have anyone lined up when they fired Pellegrino, will only have eight games to secure the club's Premier League survival, a tall order. Well, very interesting. We looked at that on the show a few weeks ago on whether firing a coach will bring you success. Uh, That suggests it's not always the best move. Well, thanks a lot, Stuart. Uh, That's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Ashams in South Africa and Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.